Welcome back to Rising Action. I am one of your hosts, Josh Johnson, and over there we have a long-awaited, uh, well, maybe not awaited, but a long-time returning guest, Seth Williams, uh, one of my good friends. And we're here to talk about a movie that we've seen. Uh, I, yeah, we've both seen it, and, and I think we both were left changed by it, at least a little bit. Um, it was a movie that came out in 1985 uh, by a Soviet director named Klimov, and uh, it's Come and See, and I figured I would bring Seth on here to to talk about the movie. It's a very interesting movie because, uh, first off, Russian movies, especially ones from the you know mid-80s, the 90s, a little bit tougher to get your hands on, I, I feel like. And um, the fact that I got Come and See, first off, I was super excited about it. I got it on Criterion Collection. And um, I, I was speechless after watching it. I was just, I was like, holy crap. There's, there's something incredibly ugly and beautiful at the same time about it. Um, it was very, very raw and very, very intense. But uh seth how you doing hope you're excited to hop in here and talk about some come and see i'm doing great man thanks for having me on the show again it's always a lot of fun so i'm looking forward to going in and diving deep and talking about this hidden russian gem yeah yeah that's definitely how if it's anyone <laughs> if anyone has seen this movie in the audience i would be very surprised oh yeah um, but if you haven't seen it uh, please listen to the rest of this podcast because it's going to be a good time. Yep. And then go watch Come and See because uh, it's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't seen it and I'm assuming I'm just going to go out on a limb. I'm not even going to try to imagine anybody has seen it because frankly, I think probably prior to three or four months ago, I'd never even heard of it. Um, and I'd never even heard of Klimov either, the director. Um, yeah, me neither. But I do, I do think I saw that it was on your want to watch list on letterboxd probably a few months ago and i said okay if seth wants to watch this i'm assuming it's a good movie and uh criterion is having their 50 percent off sale this month and i saw it in barnes and noble and said okay well now's as good as time as any and i watched it and i was floored um but yeah it is it well is definitely i might as well <laughs> <laughs> might as well <laughs> might as well it's, it gives me an excuse to spend money on a on a hobby that is dangerous to my bank account <laughs> it's dangerous to mine too <laughs> yeah I, I uh i watched come and see kind of on a whim honestly the first time i you know even heard of it it was on the letterboxd top 250 narrative features and i was like it was like number three or something and i think it's number two wow. now which is crazy and it deserves it for sure yeah but um I'd never heard of it, and a few of those I've never heard. I think I'm getting close to have, see, you know, have. I I'm think I'm getting close to like having seen the majority of the the top tens on there. Mm -hmm. I think I might have one or two left, like obs really obscure, like art house films from like the '60s or something. Yeah, just not all that interested in those yet. But um, yeah, I saw Come and See on there, and I put it on my watch list, and then I saw it on. I had the Criterion Channel for a while, which is the Criterion streaming service, basically. And it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I just decided to watch the movie. Oh, no, I didn't even do that. That's not true. <laughs> I'm lying to all of you. <laughs> <to> you Josh. <laughs> I'm, I'm fudging my own story here. Um, so I actually started Come and See yeah. on the Criterion channel and got like 10 minutes into it and was like, pfft what's this this isn't good because it's like it starts out <laughs> it starts out with this kind of odd scene uh on like a beach yeah the opening scene when they're looking are, for a gun yeah yeah it's so they're, bizarre they're scrounging around for a gun in the sand and you know the framing of the shots is so strange like mm -hmm. the director frames up the actors like center frame like really close to their faces um and i was like i don't know if i'm into this so i i quit watching it on there and then uh, a little while later i i got it on netflix when i was doing netflix's um 
DVD thing where they ship DVDs to you in the mail. Yeah. I sound like a grandpa right now, but it's actually pretty sweet. (laughs) (laughs) They Um, still do that? Yeah, they still do it. It's pretty great. I knew that's Um, how Netflix started, but I didn't know that they still did, did that. Yeah, man, it's awesome. I, I would I would recommend it. The only thing is it takes a while for them to come. Like I would always get them in the mail and then like watch it that night and then send it back the next day so I could get the next one really, really soon, you know? Yeah. And it would always take like, you know, five days to come for the next one. So I was like, oh, I don't gosh. know if this is worth I don't know if it's worth it. Um, especially when my library has a pretty good movie selection. Yeah. But um uh yeah, so I watched it on there and I was I was floored, dude. It's amazing. It's so good. I would say it's one of the best films I've I've ever seen. Like I, I would say it's on the list. Like it's up there. Yeah. Um it is certainly well, there's there's different levels to it. And um, you know, to throw out the claim like best movie I've ever seen, it's a very big deal because there's a lot of movies that have come out. A lot of movies that we yeah, have seen. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of movies. <laughs> right. You've seen a ton of movies. So I think that there are several reasons why Come and See might be in that, you know, tier to itself. Um, <clears throat> you know, the story itself, I don't even, I, to be honest with you, I don't even know if it's the story that makes the movie special. I really don't think it is. I think it is probably something to do with the director, Ilem Klimov's, and I probably butchered his name. Apologies to all those who That's care. All right. um, <laughs> it's his personal vendetta against Nazi Germany. I think that is probably reason number one. And reason number two is the cinematography is just gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And it was, it was so funny that you talked about that you quit watching it because you weren't into the framing. And the framing was what got me into it. The, the square yeah. frame, the portraits... Uh, of his actors are just wonderful and um, you know it has like the old school kind of monologue scenes a little bit that you see with you know older films um, and so you know in that sense it's nothing too crazy the dialogue is you know uh, par for the course I guess but there's a little bit of character involved with the film not that the characters themselves, but like the film has a certain character, uh, something that you can't exactly quantify that just kind of like, you feel like you're watching something altogether different. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I watched the, uh, with criterion films, you get a whole bunch of behind the scenes footage and interviews and, and whatnot that come with the film. And I watched, uh, I think it was a featurette with Roger Deakins and he talked about, he talked about this film and, um, oh goodness. There was another one he was talking about, um, by Tarkovsky that just have a very similar dour feeling, like very heavy, very sad, uh, but they're incredibly impactful in how he shoots his films. Um, the, the use of camera, the use of, <clears throat> you know, he even said something about he doesn't use steady cam uh hardly at all when he shoots. Um, but he felt like in Come and See the Use of Steady Cam, I think he he brought up the last shot um was just a, a monumental kind of different approach to shooting a scene and shooting actors and um kind of the uh, it's not quite a tilt shift, um, but it's essentially a, a tilt shift shot that they use in several key moments for, for certain characters that, you know, there's yeah. just, I, I don't even know. it. It's shot in a way and portrayed in a way that brings you into the scene. And it's very, very intentional in doing that, I think, because... Klimov wants you to feel, uh, taste, smell the world that he's put you in. And he wants you to, you know, feel the, the confusion and the angst and the, you know, all the different emotions that he wants your, his viewer to run through while, while they're watching it. So in that sense, I think it, um, it kind of separates it, but there's, there's, 
I think there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects of it that you can't exactly figure out why you feel a certain way about it. You just kind of do. It's similar to the lighthouse in that way, uh, where you know, leaving the theater after watching that, you know, we'd be talking like <laughs> trying to figure out what in the world we just saw, and we loved it, and we didn't yeah, really yeah. know why because it was batshit, but it was awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. at the at all the totally. same time. Yeah, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with everything you're saying and i think you know after i got over my initial reaction to the film um i i started to realize yeah the the beauty in the compositions of those profiles mm-hmm. um i think it just felt odd to me like at the at the very beginning i'm not really sure why but later like once you get into the film there's uh there's a you know a, a critical scene you know pretty early on in the movie where um, our main character basically um, he's talking to this girl. He's he's trying to fit in with his troop, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden, like bombs start falling. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing about come and see that drew me in so qu- so quickly after that initial <laughs> reaction that I had was how sensory it is. Yeah, like and especially the cinematography, the sound design and the performances so there's this thing in you know that i've noticed and i've only seen a handful of films i've only seen you know this film by klamov and a few tarkovsky pictures but there's a there's a trend that i've noticed in russian filmography where there's a good deal of overacting Mm. um and and i think sometimes that can come across as you know a little like flagrant you know and not necessarily like because cinema in in Europe is a little bit more subtle, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it's not nearly as overblown and it's even less so, I'd say, in America. Yeah, um, for sure. So, it, you know, seeing these actors like kind of, you know, really acting like really like and they're young actors, too. It's not like these are, you know, like, you know, professional actors that have been doing this for a long time. Um, but I think that really helped like draw me into the situation because once you get used to the tone mm-hmm. and the the way that the actors are portraying their roles you start to really notice the severity of their situation and like um they do that really well with cinematography and sound design as well like in that bombing scene the sound design absolutely floored me it's it's one of those things where it's it's quiet it's happy it's you know peaceful and bombs start dropping and the whole world changes. Yeah. And the main character's perspective changes like like that, you know, it's instant. Um, and I think that's what really drew me in because the main character is, you know, there's this glorification of being a soldier that's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. And that starts and bombs start falling and he's like, oh shoot, like I, I'm not, I'm not up for this. I'm not into this. Right. Um, which is how anybody would be, you know, like, you're all you're all like hyped and like being like oh yeah we're gonna do a good thing we're gonna like you know save these people and dude like that's when that's when the movie kicked into gear for me and i was like oh this movie has something to say about war yeah and it's not gonna hold back yeah yeah i knew pretty quickly as well that uh there was definitely a message coming forthcoming uh immediately after the first scene uh, you have the these two boys that are looking for guns or, or gear, if you will, in in buried in the sand, probably from a previous battle or some. You know, we don't know. It's just there's a field where presumably guns are buried, and they're looking for them because they're going to go join this resistance army, essentially, uh, to fight against the Germans. And um, immediately after doing that. Uh, the main character goes home and he's got his gun with him that he's found and his mother lectures him. I mean, just, and it's not even the typical, like, we don't want you to go to war. I mean, she's lecturing him saying stuff like you've killed our whole family. Our whole village is going to die. Like incredibly heavy stuff that she's saying to him and she's weeping. And, you know, she points at his two baby sisters and she's like, you know, you've killed them. Do you realize that you've killed your sisters? And, I mean, like, whoa, you know, and you're, it's you intense. don't, it's intense, man. It's so intense. And you don't really feel prepared for it. Um, 
Yeah. And so I think I probably disregarded it at first because I, I didn't really know which, what to do with it. Which I think is a great observation just from the perspective of the filmmakers putting you in the shoes of the main character, mm-hmm. right? Because he's feeling the same exact thing. You yeah. know, he's he's not expecting that that blowback. He's not expecting that outcome. He sees what he wants to do, what's been portrayed to him as the thing to do. Right. That all turns on its head super quick, you know? Yeah, he's uh, he goes and joins a resistance army and and there's definitely an element of, you know, the glory of war going on um, where he is a young buck who thinks, you know, that war is a place where you go to win your glory, that you go to, um, you know, protect your country, all the, the cliches that young, uh, young men think about war. Um, and, and he's left behind when the resistance army goes away to fight. And, uh, and he's, you know, he cries, he's, uh, he's frustrated, he's angry and, you know, he meets this girl and, and then we have a bombing scene happen. And, and that's kind of our, oh shoot, it, it, crap has hit the fan. (laughs) He, um, he, you know, he can't run. Um, there's nowhere to go. I mean, all his options are taken from him. And so he, uh, he and this young girl go back to the village. And I think this was the scene going back to their village that really, um, it was special. Uh, it, it was special in that there was just enough um, emotion. There was just enough, you know, cause the overacting had been happening. It, it was the yep. tone of the film. Um, but in this next scene, when they go back to their home, the overacting was completely on par with the situation that, that those characters were in. Um, which I think probably is emblematic of what the director wanted was, and I don't even know if he ever thought about this, but that there is so much intensity that these actors put into their characters and it was to equally match the intensity of their situations. Um, yeah. And so they go, they go back home and nobody's around, uh, it was really funny. He stuck his gun down the leg of his pants and he was on crutches, uh, like symbolizing like he had <laughs> no, a leg injury or that. something. So funny. It yeah, was the, the yeah. subtlety, you know, that, that, that just was hilarious to me. Um, <clears throat> you know, he still feels like a boy and, um, he, uh, you know, after that kind of has a little bit of a, I don't, I don't even exactly know why they start running toward this swamp. Um, but invariably they do. And these, uh, this young man and young girl start running toward a swamp. And as they are running, she sees a pile of bodies up against a barn and the camera cuts to them just long enough to really see it. It was that shot when I'm sitting there drinking my beer, watching the movie, having a good old time so far, it was that shot when I go, oh my God. Yeah, that's that's harrowing right there. I remember that too. That was yeah. a, yeah. And, and he doesn't, you know. And he never saw it. I love, yeah, I love that, you know, the director thought to have, you know, for, for the main character to have this this sort of experience like through another person. And like, because that, that makes it even more horrifying, in my opinion, when someone that you, you know, you don't necessarily even know, you're just yeah. kind of tagging along with like trying to survive and they, they turn around and, and see something and like, you know, it, ah, dude, I remember that just, just hurting. And then that entire scene as they're, you know, crawling through the swamp after that. Mm. Um, and you know, she's like screaming at him and stuff to like mm-hmm. stop. Um, such an interesting like physical representation of the character's like mental state. I think just like trudging through through like thick mud. You know, that's what that's the, what the movie feels like. Mm-hmm. That's what watching the movie feels like in some instances. Yeah, 
and, and don't let any you know people that haven't seen it scare you away from watching it um you know good movies aren't always super entertaining you know right good movies have something really interesting to say about society about people about nature you know things like that yeah it's certainly and this this one does probably more so than many movies i have seen before i think in terms of having something to say and it being so obvious that the point of the film is to say it you know outside of this film i can think of a couple spike lee movies that do that especially and i think that's why i don't like spike lee um <laughs> but you know it is on that oh, level of i just recently watched um spike lee's film uh do the right thing Have yeah you heard of that yep very good yeah very good movie yeah um it's it's got his usual flair mm-hmm. although i'd say it's a little more i'd say it's a little more um you know i i feel like he leans into the gritty the gritty edge of filmmaking a little bit mm-hmm. like with black Klansmen um and things like that and this this movie you know it came out in the 90s i think so mm-hmm. it's aged a little bit now but um yeah Great, great characters, really funny, interesting writing. I think you'd, I think you'd like uh, do the right thing a little more than some of his other work. I probably would too. Um, I think I've seen Black Klansman, his most recent one that came out on uh, Netflix. Um, what was that called? Why can't I remember what that one was called? I can't either. For, I mean, for the life of me, oh, I can't remember what uh, it was. I just remembered uh, the Five Bloods. That's right. I hated that That's movie. Right, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even finish that movie. Dude. I hated it so much, man. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't bother with it. Yeah. It, um, anyway, <laughs> Spike Lee, Ilham Klimov, uh, similar levels in terms of having <clears throat> an intrinsic message in their films. And like the point of the film is to get across whatever they want you to see at all costs kind of thing. Um, like, yeah, that, hence the title of the movie, Come and See what this is actually like you know come and come and bear witness to the horrors of you know the atrocities of that the nazis committed right you know the horrors of war in general things like that what's so funny is klimov did an interview and it's in the the criterion version of the film by the way i'm just gonna go on a rant here i i love for it dude i'm all for it i love 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 that criterion i mean not only do they rescan the films recolor grade the films mix and master they do the such films. a beautiful job they do they do a wonderful job in most cases if the director is still alive they will sit with the director and they will you know work with him or her to basically deliver the best possible version of that film so that aside they also give you behind the scenes featurettes interviews with uh and it's not even just the director it's not like a director's commentary it's you know, for example, with Come and See, it was an interview with Roger Deakins about the cinematography. It was an interview with Klimov from like 2003 before he uh, passed away about, awesome. you know, what was he thinking when he was making this film and like, why did he make it? And it gives you so much context and an insight into the man that brought this story out. Because, you know, without some of that, I think the film is... Yes, it's pointed and it's intense and it's harrowing, but if you don't understand the why behind it, you can't necessarily appreciate it in its full glory. And to be able to see mm. some of the other, the outside interviews, the, um, you know, there's like five or six featurettes that come along with it. And, you know, all these other extras that come with getting a film on Criterion, that's just phenomenal. So... All of this aside, Criterion is wonderful, and I love them. Uh, and if you have the opportunity to get Come and See on Criterion, do it. Do it before the end of July because they're fifty percent off right now. <laughs> Dude, you've you've got me sold. I'm I'm gonna I gotta buy it. <laughs> uh, also, I'm assuming Criterion is the sponsor of this episode. Yeah, if we had one, Criterion would be it. Criterion, <laughs> I want to be sponsored by Criterion and Letterboxd, and then I'll be happy. Oh, yeah, that, that would be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I love uh, I love Criterion, too. Um, and you're right, they do such a good job with their behind-the-scenes, their supplemental 
material. I think they call them supplementals, which is yeah. just classy, you know? Um, yeah, I, I love that. I love their stuff there too. Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen any of the behind the scenes things for come and see, but, um, I will be doing that soon. It is, I'm sure. it is wonderful. Um, if I think the, the interview with Klimov himself really, um, gave some uh, perspective to the film and like why you know why make this and you could tell that there was 100% a grudge that he held towards the fact that he hadn't made a movie like that before um you know he grew up i think he was born in 1933 so he was young when World War II was happening and he was displaced from his home by Germans. So there was that that long oh, suffering, deep-seated, um, based on the film, I would say hatred of Germany and what they stood for in World War II and the Third Reich. And, um, you know, he said in the interview that he it had eaten at him for years and years and years that he hadn't made a film that really paid homage to the people that he knew growing up, to the land that he was displaced from growing up. Um, and so when it came to the title, he originally titled it Kill Hitler. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, the powers that be at the time said, you can't put Hitler's name in a film. And he's like, well, it's it's Kill Hitler. It's not, you know... <laughs> You're missing the point there, bud. Right. It's it's not anything <laughs> kill about Hitler. being nice to Hitler. It's kill Hitler. Um, and so he and his brother were, I think, on a train. And um, his brother read the passage in Revelation. I don't remember the full, the full, uh, the full passage. But essentially it says, it's, I think, an angel saying to um, the prophet. And he says, you know, come and see... I, I, you know what? I need to look it up uh, because I want to be able right. to read this full thing. But um, that's really interesting. I didn't, I didn't necessarily know that about the director. Um, that's cool. I love it when, you know, directors make this like insane passion passion project that becomes such like you know an authority in in the cinematic world. You know, yeah. um, something so like deep rooted in like personal to a single person i think it's i think it's cool that 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 voice can be heard by like millions of people around the world through the medium of film and i i can't imagine you know him communicating his his message any other way you know and i'm glad come and see exists just because of that like yeah it's something that we we really get to appreciate and take for granted in some instances because we didn't experience the you know his background you know right you get to experience Um, it's just you get to experience the ethos of the people you know him as a child as a young man the people that he grew up with and in some instances i would imagine the main character who is also a young man is experiencing life as klimov himself did when all of these things were happening to him at a young age um, the passage yeah. that they, they took the title from, it's, it's Revelation 6, 7, and 8. And it says, And when he'd opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed with him. And that is just hmm. perfect to describe what yeah, that Come is. and See is. Um, oh, yeah, that is perfect. It's emblematic of the whole film. Um, if that scares you off from watching it, don't let it because it's, it's a must watch. Um, yeah. Can't recommend it enough. Yeah, for sure. You know, another kind of another angle of come and see is that, yep, we get to see the director's ethos. We get to experience perhaps his mindset as a young man, but also on top of that and potentially it's the only time that i have seen a movie like this and enjoyed it there is a heavy amount of propaganda um in come and see in its imagery Mm -hmm. 
in its uh, themes. Um, now, granted, it is anti-Nazi propaganda, which in that sense, I think it's something that the world over would universally agree is perfectly great. Um, yeah. But typically, and this may just be me, but typically in art and film, I have been of the mind that, you know, let's leave propaganda, politics, any of that stuff, let's leave it out. Um, and it's why I'm not a huge Spike Lee fan because he tends to use his films as a, you know, kind of a <clears throat> a loudspeaker for some of the things that he believes. As, yep. you know, he has the right to do, but as a result, I've had the right to be like, man, I'm not a huge fan. But in Come and See, Klimov <laughs> 1000% uses Come and See as, here's what I believe about World War II. Here was my experience in World War II, but also here's what I believe about Nazi Germany. And I think because it's a universally agreed upon view of Germany, it's celebrated and venerated and, um, you know, we all enjoy it. But one thing it does is it bases a lot of the themes of come and see upon propaganda. Um, and I don't know necessarily if that had been done before to this level, uh, or even honestly, if it's been done since at least on that scale, because come and see is like you said, it's on some top 10 lists you know, films just don't package their entire message around an idea that is so naturally political. Um, but yeah, even even though it does that, we all love it. Uh, you know, buffs, film buffs love it. You and I love it. And I can't figure out if it's one of those things where it's just a one-off because of the subject matter and the material. Or, you know, like where, where does that, uh, you know, where's that allowed or where's the point at which we say, well, you know, let's, let's focus on the art for the art's sake. At what point do we allow the director to say, here's what I believe and, and, uh, and it still be celebrated. Hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I think. I think one thing that is, you know, a little more different about Come and See is it's the 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 kind of like propaganda that it uses is very explicit. Right. Um and I you know, I there's there's a lot of movies that use um obviously very implicit propaganda. Mm-hmm. And in the in in the way that Come and See uses it, it's it's much more like you know physical and you know it plays a part in the film, um, like that scene with with Hitler when when the basically there's this like group of people that are like in the swamp that we were talking about earlier. Very odd scene, kinda, yeah, kind of creepy, creepy out a little bit. It's super weird. But, um, <laughs> yeah, they essentially like. Um, make this like makeshift mud and hair and w strange like mannequin of Hitler. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, for, for the sake of, you know, mocking. Right. Um, and you know, that's, that's a very, that was a very interesting scene to me. Um, but you know, I think back to your earlier question, like, should we, you know, allow this type of thing to happen where directors are just like pouring themselves into this film, you know, the film that they're making? Mm -hmm. Yes, wholeheartedly. I, I think that, um, you know, art um, is the longest lasting form of human communication. Mm. Um, like, and without it, we'd be totally lost, dude. We'd be in the dark, man. Like, yeah. So, like, these very personal, like, uh, in-depth projects are insanely important for society. Um, and I think that, like, this kind of goes along the lines of a Criterion film 
Criterion again. Yeah. If you want to sponsor us, Criterion, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> we've already said your we've already said your name like a hundred times in this episode. We'll probably say it a hundred more. Yeah. Um. But I so I picked up at the fifty percent off sale for Criterion this mm-hmm. month. I picked up a film by Andrei Tarkovsky, another Russian director. Yep. Called Andrei Rublev. Yep. I have not watched the film yet. I did watch Tarkovsky's student film, which is like a 45-minute um, project called The Steamroller and the Violin. Incredibly good for a student film. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. Like, this guy is the master of composition. He just knows where to put people in the frame and texture and lighting. It Like, he puts, like, Steven Spielberg to shame, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 Spielberg might have like his hand up on on the oneer, like he might yeah. have the best like one takes of all time. But dude, Tarkovsky's compositions are masterful, even from the beginning, which is insane. Anyways, this film Andrei Rublev, which I haven't watched yet, but I'll get back to you when I watch it, um, was originally censored by the Soviet Union. Yeah, it was due to due to particular scenes that were. In the film, it's actually interesting because the the original censored version of the film is longer than the than the director's cut, which came out later. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I, so I need weird. to watch both of them to figure out. Um, but Tarkovsky, you know, has a lot to do with. Um, his his movies are very spiritual in nature, mm-hmm. um, very philosophical. He usually picks like a philosophical idea and you know, expresses it through the medium of film, which can sometimes lend to a boring story. (laughs) Yeah. You'll, you'll see this when you watch stalker, (laughs) but, um, that's one of the things that I love about him. Um, as you know, as, as a writer, as someone who is interested in philosophy, um, his work is very meaningful to me. Mm. And like just the idea that someone would, you know, someone would be like, no, you can't put that in a, you can't put that in your project. Right. That's terrifying to me, dude. Yeah. Um, I would hate to like make something and be like, and then someone just be like, Psh, no, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, like take that out. Yeah. Um, and of course there's, you know, there's limits to that. Like, right. you know, due to society and like the moral codes that we build around our societies, like, you know certain things are definitely looked down upon and shunned for specific reasons. <laughs> right. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's just when it, it becomes, you know, so, you know, uh, separated from the initial message that the person is trying to explain. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's when things get kind of dangerous with that. But, um, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I'm excited to watch this film by Tarkovsky and see what that, where that happened. Another instance where that kind of censorship happened that I actually watched recently. Have you seen Kill Bill Volume 1? You know, I don't think I have. And I, it oh, kind of pains me to say it. it because I don't think I have. But uh, Dude, I'm, I'm honestly surprised. I think you would dig it. <laughs> I, pro- I would. I Honestly, I need to make sure that I have seen every Tarantino film. I've got... A couple of his films that I still haven't seen, um, believe it or yeah. not, and this uh, apologies well, in advance. Too. I have not seen Pulp Fiction all the way through. Yeah, I know. It's that's, all right. It's all right, man. That's just. I got a Blu-ray you can borrow. I've got it. I literally <laughs> have. I'm looking at it right oh. now. I've got it down there, bottom shelf. Oh, dude, what are you waiting for? <laughs> I'll probably watch it after this, to be honest with you. Um, all right. I've also got Reservoir Dogs, and I haven't seen that yet. Um, I haven't seen Reservoir Dogs yet. Yeah, I have no clue if I'll enjoy it or not. Um, I have to see it at some point. I mean, there's, I have quite a few films that I still need to see. Like, I've got The Shining, and I just haven't been in the brain space to be like, okay, I can deal with The Shining right now. Um, yeah, yeah. There's quite a few. Honestly, that, I need that to watch, movie but... is more goofy than you might expect. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh dear. It has, I don't think it's aged super well. Okay. Especially since horror film has kind of made a resurgence. Right. But that's up, that's up to you, I guess. I mean, I'll have to see it at some point. I'll, I feel like you've got to be in a certain kind of mood to be like, okay, 
it's Friday night. I'm by myself. I'm going to get smashed drunk and I'm going to watch The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if you're if you're going to watch any Kubrick films, that's kind of what you got to be cuz like Yeah. His his stuff is so hard to digest sometimes. Yep. Like even his like super renowned stuff, like 2001, like mm-hmm. Dude, like it's it's a lot to to stomach, honestly. It's weird. Or or very little to stomach because yeah. Sometimes there's long stretches in his films and you're just like, "Please, something happened." I, <laughs> I think it was I um was it it's not Full Metal Jacket. It's um that's one of his movies, yeah. Is it? Okay, so I've seen, oh, I've watched Full Metal Jacket, I think, when it was on Netflix. It may still be on there. I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah. And the, it was kind of the same way when it was something, something happened, you know? Or, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just was meandering. Um, yeah. But anyway, I digress multiple times over. Um, I think we've been digressing for a while now. We but have. That's okay. Uh, I, I think, it, you know, talking about propaganda slash artistic license and all these things all in one. Um, <clears throat> I think with come and see where the question kind of makes itself known is that, you know movies like come and see just don't exist movies that are on the one hand beautifully made and wonderfully done and on the other Mm -hmm. so intrinsically tied to an idea uh to a a message and not necessarily an idea like you know with interstellar where it's the love and bond of family members you know not that kind of idea but a purely uh, societal, socioeconomical, political idea. Um, yeah, you know those kind of things don't come around often. In fact, it just—it's probably easier to say they just don't happen than it is to say that they don't come around often, because it is incredibly rare for those two things to be mutually exclusive or at least happening at the same time. Um, yeah, it's a pretty opportune time period to make a film, right? Yeah, and if you're go- honestly, if you're going to make a movie so tied to its message, make a movie about Nazis because the world yeah. over is gonna agree. Okay, yeah, screw them. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, dude. That's why you see them in like Indiana Jones and right. stuff like that. You know, like nobody's gonna be like, "Hey, why are you picking on the Nazis, man?" Nobody's gonna say that. <laughs> and if if people are saying that, then I would get away from them as quick as possible. Right. Right. Those people would be um, people who have issues. But, uh, you know, the fact that it is so tied to its message and the fact that it is so well done. And I think those who see it will say, wow, that was incredible. Or at the bare minimum, that made me think. Or I was sitting on my couch after watching that movie for 20 minutes just in silence trying to kind of register in my brain what it just saw and you just kind of chew on it it's something that just kind of sits yeah in your consciousness for multiple days after watching it and not many films do that but also not many films do that that are tied to its message and um i think it is probably some of the reason why it is so unique and so uniquely well done Um, The fact that it can say, I believe this so strongly, and it also say, um, you know, this is my experience, you know, because if, you know, when you're walking that tight line that Klimov kind of like bulldozed through, (laughs) when you're walking that tight line of um, how can I make the message, the theme, um, a part of the film, um, not cliched, but something that, uh, my viewer will watch it and digest it and actually chew on it. And it not just be like, I'm throwing ideas at you do with them what you will. This is 1000% not the propaganda film that says, here's a bunch of ideas and it's a Rolodex of them and you can, 
decide to disregard them or no like yeah the, i think the idea is one of so... the special things yeah keep going keep going i think that's one of the i think that's one of the special things about it honestly is the film's ability to be to communicate its message subtextually yes i don't i don't it's there's very little dialogue that is you know explicitly communicating its themes mm -hmm. um, but its themes are so overtly obvious too yeah like i mean you watch you know any you know modern blockbuster not to rag on modern blockbusters or anything they're great they have their place but you know i think those movies have kind of lost the art of like expressing things through the medium of film you know just yeah showing it you know show me how your characters feel in a certain situation show me how this world affects them that's what i want you know, I, I, I want to be immersed in this place that they're in. And you can do that really well through subtextual themes. Like right. you, you can put your character in a really interesting position and say, you figure out how to deal with this along with them. And most of the time, people are going to pick up on your messaging and they're going to be like, oh, that's what you mean. You didn't, you didn't even have to say it. Right. You know, that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. And it is. It's probably, I think it is why you, you chew on it because none of the characters say what the, uh, author of the film is trying to tell you. Um, in fact, you probably have quite the opposite. You have characters saying the opposite of what the author of the film is trying to tell you. Uh, he's show, he's having you discover his themes through the, through contrast, you know? Um, yeah, I think, I think the fact that people can come to the same conclusions through that, you know, um, implicit communication mm -hmm. is really, is really special. It, I think you can probably relate to this as someone who's, who's a writer who can, who's trying to write something, you know, that's important to them. Like you at, at most times you're, you're trying to communicate things to your audience you're trying to describe things so that everyone pictures it and sees it the same way right sees it the way you see it right know? that's what you're trying to do um and the most successful authors are ones who can communicate their communicate that very effectively and efficiently or you know um very you know full of words and you know expressive in that way right um but yeah, I, I feel the same way about this film, you know, how it is just able to get its points across, you know, without being annoying. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's not trying to smack you in the face with like, this is what you should think about this. Right. Yeah, it certainly doesn't do that. Um, and I think where you get that, <clears throat> that fine line of, you know, what's a tasteful way to hammer your themes, your message home. Um, and even as I say that, come and see is not tasteful. I think the best description of it was it's beautiful in its ugliness. It's not a I agree, yeah. refined, uh, you know, it's not the sort of thing you kind of look your nose, look down your nose at the ugly themes that, I mean, your face is smashed into the mud right next to them. Um, yeah, and that's yeah. its beauty. And so in that sense, and that, that is probably what distinguishes it as unique to itself. Um, the intensity of the situations that the characters are going through, the story is not necessarily the shining light of it, but it is kind of the train that you get on that takes you through, you know, the message that Klimov, the director, writer, wants you to experience. Um, it's sort of like one of those interactive museums that you can go to. Like, for example, the um, the Van Gogh Museum in uh, Charlotte right now, there's, a, there's like a traveling kind of uh, virtual museum of sorts about uh, Vincent Van Gogh. And, um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, right now it's in Charlotte. And I went um, 
with Haley a couple weeks ago. And um, it was really, really intriguing because they, it's not a movie. It's not an art display. It's somewhere in the middle. Um, it is a scored emotional experience through Van Gogh's psyche, essentially. Oh, that sounds awesome. It's so intriguing. It's about 45 minutes long and you kind of, you go in cool. there and there's little circles on the floor and you sit down in one of the circles and all around the room are uh, projector screens on each wall. And there's a, a hundred projectors in this room and it's projecting on every surface in the room. And um, it's abstract, thematic, just kind of like it goes through different sections of Van Gogh's um, career and kind of describes through sound and visuals kind of like the state of his mind at that moment in time. Mm, that's cool. And in that same way, so, you know, that Van Gogh exhibit is, it's not walking through uh, many different rooms with different things on the walls that have inscriptions that tell you this is what this is and this is why it's important. Going to a quote-unquote Van Gogh interactive museum where you can experience and for yourself figure out what it means that is uh what come and see does and that's what i think films that want you as the viewer to understand its message to digest its message in a way that is artful that's what they do they they deliver the the sight smell taste of what their theme represents you know in come and see's case it's um, it's war is terrible and war is disgusting and awful things happen, but also even more than that, what Nazi Germany did to Russia was abhorrent. Um, it's those two things sort of packaged yeah. together as one. And rather yeah. than Klimov saying outright, having his characters be like, Oh, Germany, we hate it. You know, it's, it's evil. Instead of them Germany. saying, yeah, instead <laughs> of them saying that, instead of, uh, which you see in, I think, modern films quite a bit nowadays, where it's the director or the artist, whoever it is behind the project says, here's what you need to think. And they, they'll do it through a post-credit scene. They'll do it by having their characters explicitly tell you what you need to feel about this certain situation. Instead of doing any of that, come and see says... We're going to put you into an experience of somebody who might be just like you. And they're going to experience all the things that we want you to experience that say these things. Um, we want you to actually see that war is abhorrent. We want you to see that the Nazis are gross and despicable. Um, and we're going to put all that up together. And then at the end of it, we're going to give you a release where... Um, you get some satisfaction out of it. And then at the end of the film, you're going to sit there and be like, holy crap, war is gross. The Nazis were gross. And Klimov never said it, you know, he let, he just, yeah. he incepted the thought into your mind through the, you know, two and a half hours. Ooh, nice little Christopher Nolan reference there. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always gotta, always gotta throw him in there. Exactly. Maybe he could sponsor us too. Chris? Please sponsor us. <laughs> Incept your little sponsorship in here. <laughs> exactly. Can we get a mid-roll ad that just is Christopher Nolan's next film? Can we get a spoiler so we can go viral, please? Ooh, I would I would like that, yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. Chris, what are you doing right now? What movie are you making? <laughs> <laughs> I actually see, um, speaking of Christopher Nolan, his film Dunkirk is, you know, a much simpler it does a lot of the same version. things doesn't it it is it's a very similar it's very visual it's very you know it it's sound design and, and music is very immersive um you know he includes some some famous you know some some famous propaganda in there yeah um i, I guess you could include like churchill's speeches you know something like that Mm -hmm. that's at the very end of the movie you know it's very inspiring and stuff right know? um but um 
yeah, it, he he does a great job of like the the last scene where you don't even really see the enemy at all. Like, yeah, you really don't. You never you never see them. Um, you never see a face. You kind of just see silhouettes or their planes or things like that, and that's that's pretty convincing storytelling, you know, like. Mm-hmm you know not not putting not putting the spotlight on you know where it doesn't need to be you know right just on your main characters right yeah kind of illustrate their experience and how they see the world and also what their experiences change in them um and that probably is you know famously what come and see does too where that main character starts out looking like a 15 year old boy and then the cover of the film is this like haggard looking character and that's what he is yeah, at the yeah. end you know all the stuff that he's seen and Spo- experienced spoilers man spoilers well <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. he looks ugly at the end <laughs> <laughs> all the things that Klimov wants you to see and feel he also obviously sees and feels and it changes him incredibly overtly yeah. So if you haven't yeah, seen man. Come and See, uh, buy it on Criterion. Don't waste your time with anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, go on Letterboxd and get a review of it. Um, I I do think it's, it's a wonderful film. And um, I also think even more than that, it's going to be a little bit of my introduction into some Russian filmography. Um, out of that, I was curious to see uh, some Tarkovsky films. I've seen a little bit yep. here and there, but like nothing. I I just haven't really explored it, to be honest. Um, and, uh, and I was really interested, you know, because Klimov isn't even the foremost Russian Soviet filmmaker and, and Come and See was that impactful. And so, you know, I was yeah. thinking how, how even more impactful could... You know, something like Andrei Rublev or Stalker, how much more impactful will that be on me or Ivan's childhood or something yeah, like yeah. that? That's the really interesting thing about Come and See too, is that it has gained, especially in like the, the in-depth, you know, like kind of cinephile world, um, it's really become this like, you know, completely celebrated masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And almost out of nowhere, it seems, you know, like it's up there with like the Godfather films right. and, and stuff like that, you know, very iconic pictures, you know, that have very iconic scenes and very iconic lines and very iconic characters mm-hmm. and come and see isn't really that come and see is, I would say, exceptionally like sensory. Yep. It, it, you know, it, it's not, um, it's not like pulpy at all. <laughs> it doesn't have it doesn't have any kind of like, you know, super like dramatic narrative or anything like that, you know, kind of like a manufactured story. It's just very, you know, natural and um cinematic in that way, I guess. Yeah, things just kind of tend to happen it like as they do sort of thing. Um yeah. There's not there's a meandering almost like a fantasy novel sort of aspect to the the second act, the middle of it, where, you know, you just kind of have characters wandering around and and it leads yeah. them into... A little questy? Yeah, a little questy. Um, <laughs> it, you know, you've got your inciting incidents, your, um, your kind of your big turn at, in the first act, and then in the second, it's just things are happening and characters need things and they're doing things to fulfill that need or at least what they think will fulfill the need and that leads them to do more things and then by the end of it we're ending up at this climactic end in the third act when it's all of these emotions and feelings kind of coming together at a head and just exploding at the end of it and then you're left to pick up the pieces totally totally so if you haven't seen come and see get it on criterion please sponsor us criterion i would I would love that actually. My my collection is growing and it could definitely get bigger. So, you know. <laughs> my collection is growing. <laughs> <laughs> my, and so is my fondness. <laughs> exactly. My bank account is getting smaller and my Criterion collection is getting bigger. <laughs> <laughs>
That'll be all from this episode of Rising Action. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, hopefully you listen to this and say, okay, I'm going to go watch Come and See now. But that'll be all from us. And uh, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Rising Action. You can follow us on Instagram at risingaction underscore, and we will see you in the next episode.